What is up, everybody? Welcome to Wayward Artists in a Wayward World. I'm Sid, and joining me today is the fabulous actor, um, Elon Hernandez. How are you doing, Elon? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for uh, coming on. Uh, I haven't spoken to you since last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, we've definitely slid into each other's DMs here and there, you yeah. know, just to see how each other's doing. But yeah, um, yeah, because yeah, it's really been since that summer class, basically. Yeah, we were in together. Yeah, yeah. Um, I like to kind of get into the the pregame questions, which this is the first time I ever called them live on the air. <laughs> I always call them at the like as a joke in the pre-show. Like, oh yeah, these are the pregame questions. Like, think alcohol. You know, where you pre pregame. Right. <laughs> but, yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, um, let's just get right into it, dude. Um, who are you and what do you do? Yeah, well, yeah, as you mentioned, yeah, my name's Elon Hernandez. Uh, I'm an actor. I just recently graduated with my BFA in acting for the stage and screen from Azusa Pacific University in Southern California, a really beautiful spot. And um, yeah, just, just uh, hot off of doing that this past spring. And uh, um, I'm, currently, I'm currently actually working as a contact tracer um, at, a, at a local university here in Spokane. Um, to try to help with the uh, many schools. Well, this school in particular, that's trying to do like a back to school approach um, with like safety measures and stuff. So I'm just part of the staff that's helping to like do contact tracing and like field questions and do kind of some of the troubleshooting stuff. So, and it's funny because that job that I got really a lot of it was without like a super, um, you know, big resume with a lot of uh, super specific experience. A lot of what I was drawing on in my resume in terms of my references and like the interview was like hey i have a lot of experience with theater um i'm, I'm used to you know studying scripts scripted material like prepared responses stuff like that and collaborating with people um and being able to you know uh be creative in the way i solve problems and work with people on stuff so and so it was kind of interesting to, to get to kind of get a job like that with that kind of experience and be able to articulate that kind of stuff. So that was cool. Um, and I was born and raised here in Spokane. Um, and my, uh, I, have a, I have a family who is a, who does a lot of very different stuff. Like I'm, I'm definitely a creative. Um, I love stories. I love movies, theater, all the stuff. Um, my parents are, love that too, but they're both, um, they're both teachers and, um, and uh, leaders in their own fields. They, uh, they, my dad, uh, does athletics at um, at a, another university here, and my mom teaches Spanish, and my brother uh, is an athlete. So, yeah, it's 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 an interesting mix for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, um, go, kudos for you to getting that contact tracing uh, gig. I mean, it's again, it's probably like not what you expected going into like going out of your. You said you graduated from your school just recently. Just now, yeah, just this past spring, yeah. Oh, sweet. So, yeah, I bet you weren't expecting to get into it uh for something different you, you'd think you'd start with like theater with a bfa too it's like oh man <laughs> never really yeah. thought about that under more like ideal circumstances right because like obviously if without covid in the picture at all like i would have graduated i would have been there basically in near proximity of la you know i would have graduated it would have been the whole celebration stuff i would have found a place in la to move into with some friends i'd you know, hopefully be able to get an agent and start submitting for auditions and stuff like that and just kind of start that kind of thing. But um, because of the whole thing, because of like my, because of my school uh, ended up kind of cutting the year short in person and sending everybody home and without kind of that time to prepare anything, I just had to be like, okay, cool. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna have to head home because it's the only place I can, I can go. 
Mm. Um, and then from there, like, you know, obviously most of the opportunities for actors right now are mostly virtual. Um, there's very, I mean, I've, I've heard of friends that are back down in that LA area that have done a couple like socially distanced and like safety protocol uh, shoots and stuff like that. But yeah, most of the stuff is, you know, like uh, some great opportunities I've been looking into is, you know, doing like audio, like, uh, audio books and, you know, books on tape and that kind of thing. And, um, those are really cool opportunities. Um, so I've been looking into things like that, but yeah. And the other thing too, about the job, the contact tracing job was, and one of the things that they stressed in the description that really caught my attention was that they wanted people who could empathize with other people over the phone. I was like, I majored in empathy, like, <laughs> you know, that's totally up my alley. It's definitely something that, uh, that I feel confident in being able to offer. Yeah. Sure. And, uh, do you mainly do acting as, uh, when you're not doing contact tracing? Like, are you mainly just an actor? Is that what you studied for? Or, uh, do you I have mean, interests in other fields? I mean, yeah. The cool thing about being able to, you know, be in the place I was and the program I was, was that, um, it was specifically, you know, most of your, your, um, your quintessential, like acting theater degree is, you know, like a BA in theater arts or, you know, like a, um, like a degree in acting, um, or there's even specific, you know, degrees for musical theater performance and stuff like that. But what really drew me to that degree was the, um, the versatility and the sort of interdisciplinary, um, part of it, which was like, we're going to teach you, we're going to train you how to act on stage and on screen as well, because I was so interested um, in being able to kind of do it all, you know, be able to kind of just act on camera, act on stage, do voiceover stuff, like all that stuff sounded cool. And then when I was there, I got the chance to, um, well, in high school, actually, I directed um, a short play and uh, I always kind of dabbled kind of as a kid and even now with like ideas and stuff about like writing and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, I got to do a little bit of producing also in a, in a sketch comedy class I did um, at school, I did stage management for like my last two years of, um, of college. And it was like such a cool experience. So I feel very, very interested in kind of all that stuff. I would love to, you know, keep honing uh, my interest in directing and writing and all that other stuff. So, yeah. Nice. I'm glad, you know, like, uh, you think with like a BFA, like, um, at least like you, you're kind of studying in like one field. If, if, I feel like I, I could be totally wrong about BFA. You can correct me on that, but, um, like, um, like you got your BFA in acting. It's good mm -hmm. that, you know, like other things as well. And you're, you're being, uh, encouraged to take other classes. Cause I feel like a lot of actors specifically don't know really like what's going on behind the mm -hmm. scenes. And it's kind of like man it's more than just you and your big fat ego mr actor <laughs> you know or mrs actor or uh whatever um uh -huh. but no that's really cool that your uh your school kind of encouraged all that um yeah the one I thing you, oh yeah i was just gonna say like i think you bring up a great point too because i think that's kind of the in a very simplistic sense that's kind of what you're told if you if you're kind of big into acting like that's for me like because my my family um as i said they're very academic they do a lot of teaching but my dad was an athlete my brother's an athlete my mom was also an athlete actually before she had a um a really devastating injury that where she couldn't do athletics anymore and then she turned to you know spanish and other stuff but so like yeah when i was a kid like i didn't really take to sports right away so i didn't really have a thing so acting in community theater and stuff like that became my extracurricular so when you're doing that 
as your main kind of after school activity, mm-hmm. you know, you're told a lot as an actor, like, oh yeah, you should, if you ever have a chance, you should work, you know, backstage and be on crew and, you know, cause it's, it's more than you and you, and when you do that, you actually appreciate being an actor more because you understand all of the different things that it takes to, you know, to do a whole, a whole production. Exactly. Um, and it definitely kind of became clear for me in college, particularly because high school was like, it was a lot of performing, but then the very small, um, the very uh, few times I actually got to work backstage was um, very, very informative and definitely, definitely so in, in college as well. Those two stage management experiences, I, I got to stage manage a musical and a straight play and kind of get to kind of see the differences between those two processes. And it was, uh, yeah, really interesting. A lot of things to take away from that. And if you also are kind of a person who you consider yourself kind of with really strong um, logistical abilities, academic abilities, like being able to hone um, skills working backstage is great for, you know, just to um, multiply the opportunities that you could potentially get into later on. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I think like it was one of my old professors that told me like, if you're kind of going into this business with acting in mind and only acting, uh, you're not going to do well. <laughs> like, um, cause you gotta, you're, you're going to be like, um, like you're in the same boat as everyone else. Like there are like a million people that want to be actors, but like it really takes a well-rounded person to like real to be not only just a good actor, but a good artist, I think. And we had someone on the show, Bethany Montgomery, um, who by the time you're listening to this listener, it should be out already. We talked about like finding out the why and like why you do what you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I feel like uh, do having all that experience only enhances the, the why in like why you want to act or why you want to um, do this job. Because acting is like, it's stressful and it's expensive. And it's stressful in the sense that like it crushes, like it can enhance your soul because uh, like you're empathizing with people and like you are engaging with the art, with the art in like ways that not a lot of people get, uh, can say that they can do, you know, like experience it like through someone else's eye with like this character. But um, it also is just, it's soul crushing because with that vulnerability also comes um, you being vulnerable and depending on how you deal with rejection, it could uh, make you really upset and depressed. So like kudos to actors, but also they need another place. <laughs> they need to figure out yeah. what's up, you know, like why, like why are you here right now? And don't tell me it's for Broadway, you know? Hmm. Yeah. And it, it's interesting now, yeah, cause you bring up a good point of um, just having a, I was listening, actually, I listened to a, I, I, I am a big podcast listener, you know, to your show and many other shows as well. But, um, uh, I, this one show I love um, uh, was um, there was a uh, Edward Norton was a guest on and he was talking about, you know, if you're really interested in a certain thing like acting, like don't be an ignoramus about it. Like, like, you know, find out everything, mm-hmm. you know, like, like pursue, pursue that and like really have an understanding because it's one thing to, you know, to have that dream and have kind of that sort of, um, sort of because dreams can often be a little non-specific in terms of like, okay, how am I going to do this? Um, and like when you're in the process of trying to figure that out, um, you know, having that desire to like, well, let me like, let me read up on this. Let me figure out like, because I think one of the things too, when you, when you have a knowledge and just a skill set to do things backstage, one of the great things, because all actors know 
you know, if they're doing it or they want to do it, they, they've heard about, or they know the fact that actors need to have survival jobs, things on the side, because it's, it's such a, you know, it's such a up and down thing. It's not a consistent sort of stable job, you know, especially when you're starting out. So the more times you can actually have those. um, And one of the things that I knew that I wanted to with, um, you know, survival jobs was like, okay, I'd love to ideally have one where I'm still kind of in the, um, niche of where my industry or like my interests are because if you're just like if you have a job that's completely removed from what you actually want to do it's kind of harder to kind of um you know code switch switch mindset so if you have like for me when i was stage managing the great thing about that for me was like okay i'm going to develop these skills but i'm also going to be in the room and see witness other actors like process and see what they're doing good what they're not um quite doing as well and like taking mental notes for myself of like, okay, how can I kind of take what I'm observing and enhance my own skill set and my process as well. So anytime you have, you know, other things on the side, that's like enriching what you also do, you know, that's also great. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, uh, definitely. And kind of going back to what I said earlier too, just finding out why you want to do it, you know, mm-hmm. like it, it, it has to be more than just fame or, you know, practice. I know like, you know, I mentioned this friend often on the show, <laughs> but like, you know, this, like the true example of this was like a friend of mine who was like struggling, uh, getting some roles. And, uh, and I asked him, you know, I asked him that question, like, why do you care so much <laughs> about getting into these plays? And he said like, oh, it's experience and, you know, um, it will look good on my resume and stuff like that. And I was like, bro, mm-hmm. that's like, that's like, uh, everybody, you know, like that's everybody trying to get into <laughs> like acting. And I'm like, why? I asked him again, like, why do you want to do it? Like, why is acting so important to you? Um, and then, like, he was able to give, like, a decent answer. And I'm like, all right, uh, explore that and figure out, like, figure out ways that you can achieve that goal. And then that way, you don't really have to be, like, upset that you never got the part that you want. Because, you know, at the end of the day, like, me with directing, you know, I applied to direct um, a few times at the Civic Theater. Um and I got rejected because I didn't have any experience, but I didn't let that like push me aside and be like, ah, oh, man, I got to wait to like get experience and stuff like that. I was like, no, nah, man, I'm going to like, I'm going to direct a play at the baby bar, you know, like I'm, I'm going to do this stuff on my own. And lo and behold, like I, not to brag, but like I worked really hard. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Like yeah, you put I in have- the work and you, you do your own. Cause yeah. And that's what, that's what a lot of my friends have done. And I've done with other people too. Like, when you also have people that um, at, at any time while you're both on the grind, you can be like, Hey, like I'm not really getting anything. And I'm also, I'm kind of inspired by this idea. And I kind of want to try to put this thing up or, you know, do my own work. Like that's a really great impulse to have too, because um, if you're not working that muscle in some way, if you're not getting parts, right. And then you don't, but then you're not doing anything else on the side because you're just waiting, you know, you should definitely, you know, yeah. Like use, use that purpose-driven mentality to be like, I really want to like do something. And I, I have this idea and I think it could work. Let me talk to these people and see if they want to do something with me. And yeah. And, and you just kind of, you keep working that muscle. So then when you do start to get parts, you know, you have sort of your own, um, you know, experience working on stuff mm-hmm. with multiple hats in many, in many way, in many um, cases where you're able to kind of use that and be kind of in a little bit of a groove Exactly. You know? Yeah. yeah. And, and like you were also saying with that one story you shared, it's also kind of a thing where it's like, okay, but 
you want this because you think it'll look good on your resume, but like why this play for you? Yeah. Or if you have a particular part that speaks to you, like why that part for you? Because mm -hmm. if you're not going into that, because um, you're going into it, obviously wanting to get the part, but and then if you do get the part, like, you know, what is that? What is that purpose for you with that? Mm -hmm. You know, what are you going to be able to bring to it? Because if you, do, if you want it for some of those um, sort of like, you know, reasons that don't enhance you playing that character well then it's not it there's a good chance it, it won't there won't be the amount of depth to it that you're going to want to bring to it exactly yeah it's uh going back to what bethany said you know exploring the why you know why you why you do what you want to do um not to go too deep into it because we have other things that we need to talk about <laughs> um i met ellen it's it's kind of a funny story listeners um spring break oh not spring break um springtime uh, spring semester at Gonzaga University, 2019. I was directing the well-known show on this podcast, Doxy's God. And let me tell you, it was, I had a lot of unhealthy habits <laughs> with that show. Um, specifically days where I wasn't getting enough sleep. Like I missed my history class thinking that, oh yeah, my history class isn't for another hour. So I waited behind, like at the door of like my history class while the professor was giving the lecture. And then once the class was over, I go in and I see that, you know, all the students in there are not the students that normally come to this class. And then I tell them like, oh shit, um, I did not intentionally miss this class. I just thought, you know, the, the time was just off. So um, I kind of was struggling uh, that final spring uh, semester of my like, uh college years and one class in particular really kicked my ass and beat it to the ground it was computer science and with that class i pulled every card that i could from the book not the cheating card by the way it was more of a help you know like ask my friends all my uh computers my new computer science friends they tried to help me out some of them were like when they figured out i was doing theater they were like why the hell are you in this class <laughs> It's like, dude, it's a, this is a requirement. I have to. It's a science. Like, it's one of my science stupid credits. And, you know, I pulled the the sad gay boy uh, card to the professor. That didn't work. <laughs> I mean, like, you know, it, it wasn't like a fake card. You know, like, you get those cards. You know, you earn them. Yeah, <laughs> Let's just say no, that. Um, but that didn't work. And I failed computer science. And I was like, oh, fuck. Uh, especially since my dad's boss was the one who was, like, paying the tuition. And I was. this was the year I told him. Yeah, they don't need to do that anymore um, because I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to graduate. And so I was like, oh, shit, how am I going to pay for summer, summer school? I guess I'm going to uh, have to get uh, financial aid and stuff like that. Luckily, I was able to get enough financial aid to cover uh, with Pell Grants a summer semester. And I was like, oh, sweet. Now nah, I don't have to stress out about this. And then one of the summer classes was bio biology 101 um i can't remember the exact title of that class it was, um it was uh, ecology of food yeah ecology of food. Yeah. yeah yeah and then that's where i met ellen and i was like um you know chatting and he was like oh yeah i i'm i do stuff within the theater community here i was like oh shit wow a theater artist i didn't expect one of those guys to be here and in this in this facility <laughs> Yeah, and then uh, we had a lot of adventures. Um, do you remember the time we went on that field trip? Yeah, yeah, that was great. And we were like, yeah, wading in those rivers trying to get samples and stuff. Yeah, and then me and Maddie were just like being 
like stupid and just like freaking out because like everything was like fucking gross and I don't we didn't want to touch it. <laughs> yeah, if you're trying not to get ripped away by the currents and stuff like that, or lose your balance and just get totally soaked and stuff. Yeah, crazy. yeah, yeah. Um, but that's how I met you. Am I saying your name right, Ellen? Like, like oh, am I uh, pronouncing it incorrectly? I mean, there's a lot of ways you can pronounce it. I tend to go by Elon. Elon. Okay. I think. But, um, yeah. Yeah. I think I'm trying to pronounce the I in it because, yeah, sure. like, I, I think my brain can't really differentiate between capital I and like two L's because they're very close. Yeah, I I don't understand. Like, that's that's every that's every built-in excuse for me <laughs> for every substitute teacher who butchers my name. It's like they think it's a typo, right? So they want to say, "Is it Ian?" Mm-hmm. Like, is it just, they just put two capital I's or something, but it's like, haha, no, sorry. It's <laughs> All right, that's cool. I mean, yeah. like, my name is hard to pronounce too, so I, I feel you. Um, yeah. what, what was that class like for you from your perspective? I had fun. It was, the, it was a pretty easy A for me, which I was very grateful for that class because it eventually got my GPA to where it was in the fall. Because mm-hmm. back in spring, it was below uh, 3.0. 3.0 and you need that for your master's degree to have at least a 3.0 GPA <laughs> and it brought it back it brought it up to a three point I think a 3.1 or 3.01 so I was like oh thank god I can still go to my master's <laughs> yeah props to you man um no that was a good class I liked that class a lot because I thought that I I uh I, I had taken a class in high school I really enjoyed um that was um a environmental science class mm-hmm. um so there are a lot of parallels with um, this class at GU for me that that kind of took me back to like, a, oh, yeah, this reminds me of all the stuff I learned here that I've kind of been really sort of passionate about on the side. Like I'm I try to read um, as much as I can about like, uh, you know, climate issues and stuff like that. And it was interesting because this class really sort of kind of gave you the um, the foundation of like, here's one of like the main foundations of like, of, um, you know, a lot of climate crises like agriculture. Like there's so many things that are um, just inherent, like the way that things are done um, that kind of promote issues that affect that, that affect, um, you know, food webs, you know, if, if, if the, if, if certain like habitats in, in the water are affected by all that stuff, then a lot of, you know, a lot of life, you know, dies in that water and stuff like that. And there's a lot of, like, I remember one of my final projects, I, I was doing the research for this and, it was crazy. One of the things I found out was that like um, the, the, the excessive heat that like exacerbates melting on, um, on glaciers will basically kind of provide, it'll, it'll consequentially, it will um, all that extra kind of runoff of water will create like a layer of, mm-hmm. um, of water on top of like the ocean. And it will, it will keep somehow it will keep light from penetrating into the water enough to keep um, the, the life, the plant life and other thing and like the um, stuff in there um, alive. So all that will die and it'll literally take oxygen out of the water. It was just so crazy, man. Like it was such a really cool class and I, I was glad I took it. And it was kind of like, we almost had two classes together cause we had the lecture, right. And then we had the lab stuff mm-hmm. and we were on kind of like different days. So that, those, those things were kind of fun. And we do a lot of fun, um, uh, activities in the lab class i remember that was a really fun time yeah i uh i also took pottery which uh because i needed in one more credit to like fulfill uh the financial aid stuff and mm. um 
luckily, uh, by the way, financial aid, I, it was all paid for, for with Pell Grants. So I actually don't owe GU any money because my dad's boss paid for my ride to school. But like that last summer, I was able to get Pell Grants for it. And so like that was also a free ride. Um, but I still needed to take one more class. So I took sculptures, like sculpturing pottery. And, you know, shout out to Matt Rude. That was a fun class. Um, yeah, right. But- yeah, I, I did another. I had I was doing um, uh, philosophy online as well at the same time. So that was interesting. Yeah, I was basically getting my last two gen eds done. Like, cause I was, um, I, I was trying to do a double major, um, at my, at my like full-time school. Um, and because there was such like a, a ton of credits to do, I was basically like doing a bunch of, um, gen eds like at home at, um, cause my parents work at two different universities. So there's like, it was kind of a rare, unique thing where it's like, okay, cool. I can have all this access to like take classes and then transfer the credits and then not have to do those. So I can just focus on like the classes for my major, like when I'm there. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I, I just been doing that a lot. So I just, and I just kind of just wanted looking ahead. I was like at the, at my senior year, I was like, yeah, I kind of want to get these two things out of the way. Cause I've heard, you know, certain things about the science and philosophy mm-hmm. things over there. So, and that ended up being like really cool. Cause I kind of got to be a little bit of a, a GU student for a while, which was really fun. Yeah. Um, not uh i don't want to go too much into this anymore but like um i just want to say one thing we uh for our final for that class um the professor put us like all the seniors who were supposed to be graduating um in one group and basically we were like uh, we we're all having major senioritis right now <laughs> and so especially we, in the summer oh yeah and so we were like and I don't really want to do any of this work. Um, we should call our group chat like um, Team Senioritis. And like we literally scrambled like the day of putting everything together that what we had. Like we didn't even like go over anything or anything like that. We were just like, you know what? We've all passed. <laughs> we don't care if we get A's. We just we just want to get the hell out of here. <laughs> get up there, get it done, you know? Yeah, because like it was like, oh man, I'm supposed to be graduated. Like this is the one class that I need like so i can get my stupid degree and i was like you know what screw it i don't care if i get an a b as long as i don't get an f like i'm satisfied but i ended up getting an a so that was that was good Uh, props to you man thank you it was uh it was a very stressful spring but i i enjoyed it i'm glad that i have my degree i'm very blessed that i graduated last year and not this year (laughs) sorry y'all sorry sorry man (laughs) <laughs> yeah no i mean yeah you know who it's interesting too because i feel more sorry for the the current class like the this next class of seniors where for me i got to at least do like easily like three uh, three fourths of my whole year like in person mm-hmm. and then i just had to tolerate like a couple months like maybe two months of like online and i only had like two classes so it wasn't like too bad if i had had like a full class to do online at home that would have been a little daunting i think um but yeah just to have to tolerate that for a short amount of time was not for me as i thought about it was like wow that really couldn't be as hard as what the current seniors are gonna face of doing the whole thing online so yeah Mm -hmm. so yeah i've definitely i've 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 texted a lot of those people that i know and just been like hey like you got you got a tall task ahead of you i know and is anything i if there's any support or encouragement i can ever throw your way just let me know you know so yeah Exactly. I mean, yeah, I do feel them. Uh, but at the same time, that's all I can really do. <laughs> yeah. No, um, totally. I feel fortunate that I only had to do that for a short time, for sure, for me, selfishly. Oh, yeah. Um, 
what was I going to say? I think the one thing about uh, graduating last year and then coming into this COVID stuff is that, yeah, there's no theater jobs. You know, the thing that I tra was training for for the last six years, I can't really do it. <laughs> and so I'm like, well, this is going to be rusty if I don't keep myself trained, you know? Um, but hopefully, I don't know. I don't know when we'll get back, dude. I'm uh, lately, I haven't really been optimistic. <laughs> so I don't yeah. want to like put any bad juju in the air. But, um, yeah. Guys, gals, and non-binary pals, this is Wayward Artists in a Wayward World. We each and every Sunday, I sit with a wayward artist, and we talk about a person that we're thankful for, uh, or the guest is thankful for, I mean. Um, it's based on a podcast by Jared Petty called Pockets Full of Soup, in which I kind of took that idea from that podcast. Um, I love Jared. I'm sure he'll be okay with it. Um, I hope we hear from Jared Petty soon. I We had Mike Trucker on the show, so um, I'm really hoping that the word goes out. <laughs> And Jared's like, huh, interesting. Um, but anyway, Il Elon, um, I want to ask you the question that I ask each and every person each and every week. Uh, tell me someone you're thankful for. Well, yeah, that is a that's a that's a tough one. Um, and I've been I've been thinking about that too because um, especially now where I'm at the point where I've kind of finished, you know, um, I've kind of finished, you know, that whole period of, of schooling where I'm now kind of at that point where I'm like, you're in the, you're in the kind of wide world of post-grad. And so that moment of transition gives you a lot of, um, I think, inspiration to kind of reflect on kind of the whole period of like, just, you know, middle school, high school, college, and all of that culminating and kind of thinking about like um, the influential parts of that time. Mm -hmm. um, and there's, and I've thought about, you know, a lot of people will definitely kind of say their parents, their their teachers. Um, I definitely had a lot of those, obviously, as I was referencing earlier, my mom was the one who got me into theater because I didn't have an extracurricular. And she was the one who kind of, I guess, kind of put the puzzle pieces together and was like, huh, maybe theater will be for him and sent me to my first audition class. And that was great. And I had, a, I had two amazing teachers in high school and then um, you know, more than two in, in college that were just amazing. But I, I've been really kind of thinking about how important really great peers are, like really great friends, mm -hmm. friends and peers when you're kind of going through, particularly in college, um, when you're going through kind of that training gauntlet and um, and you're going to classes and like performances and rehearsals every day with um, with people who you're sort of comparing yourself to and like learning from and interacting with and working with. Um, and I think that um, uh, it was so, it's really inspiring too, because you're kind of seeing people who you can relate to really closely because they're in kind of the same place that you are trying to process the training and trying to like work through their own unique, um, you know, the way that they're, them as a person is intersecting with the training. So I would kind of say that it's kind of a, it's a two way tie for me between two of my like best friends from, uh, from, from college, uh, both their names are uh, Sam Bixby and, uh, uh, Nate, Nate Franski. And they're both amazing actors, um, as well. And they, they just graduated with me as well this past spring. And, and I can't really, it's hard to kind of quantify how, um, being able to kind of see in person people, um, doing the same thing as you, and having their own unique, um, you know, successes and failures. And then, you know, your friends, so that you're hanging out on your own time and like talking about stuff and not just about the training, but about like life and stuff like that. And kind of seeing um, really like, you know, 
real life models of people who are trying to, who love something so much and they're trying to, you know, pursue, um, you know, uh, perfection of their craft, or at least just the highest, the highest um, point of success for themselves and just trying to be the best that they can be. Um, it's really inspiring to watch that. And so I would say that the two of them really just, you know, were constant sources of inspiration and encouragement for me in trying to not only be the person I am today, but consequentially, you know, the artist that I am today as well. Yeah. So you said it was Sam and who's the other one? Sam and Nate. Yeah. Oh, Nate. Okay, sweet. Mm -hmm. I just want to write that down so I could like remember. <laughs> um, yeah, dude. I mean, we don't get a lot of friends on the show. I mean, like we have friends, our friends who are guests. They're all friends mm -hmm. of the show, but you know, they don't, I don't like, I can only name a few people that talk about their friends. Like, it's like you said, it's their parents or their mentor. They really mm -hmm. get to, you into it. Um, you know, people from books uh, that really inspire you. Um, when J Jameson was on, Jameson Elton, um, he talked about music, you know, as a general thing. And it was like, yeah, you know, people are inspired by a lot of things, but we don't get a lot of friends on the show. Um, mm -hmm. If I were being interviewed, it would be kind of a crossway between my friend, Art Poor Diaz, who was also on the show, <laughs> and then uh, my old mentor, uh, Kathleen Jeffs, uh, the, uh, the former chair of the theater and dance department at Gonzaga. And, oh, right on. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know uh, Kathleen? Um, I may have met her once because actually, and this is a whole different story. Um, but yeah, I, I, uh, I was considering Gonzaga at one point when I was making my college decision and I did a visit and talked to some people. So I'm sure she was one of the people I talked to at some point. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, you don't really forget Kathleen. <laughs> uh, and that's, and that's a good thing. She's, uh, uh, I like to call her on the show, like the mom of theater. Like she, uh, she'll, she'll, get you to where you are. She, she won't like bullshit anything, but she'll definitely encourage you to like, um, keep going, keep, keep trying and keep doing things. Um, I love her. I, I miss her. I got, to, I, I got her and my apprentice, Georgia Kittredge together to talk about college. Uh, Georgia's a junior at LC. Uh, the audience probably knows that already, but, uh, yeah. Um, she got to talk with Kathleen and it was like, Oh my God, you know, um, it's like, if Kathleen is my mom, <laughs> of the theater and then like i'm showing her to georgia that makes her like the gra my grant her grandma or some some like weird shit like that <laughs> mm -hmm. but um nah i uh not a lot of friends on this show and so tell me a little bit more about sam and nate like who are they exactly like um how did you guys initially meet did you meet in college yeah I mean, we basically all met you know for the first time like a college uh you know i um myself and nate were both out of um technically out of state students. Um, Sam had family that, you know, that lived in the area and also worked at the university. So he, um, and he also had, he's the, he's funny. Sam is the youngest of, um, I want to say, I believe he has four, maybe five. I believe it's four older sisters. They're all married with kids, um, which is interesting. And yeah, and he's my age. Uh, and um, yeah, so he, and he just kind of, he, I feel like he was definitely really comfortable being there, being himself, because, you know, he's on his, he's, you know, home court advantage, you know, and, and all that. Um, and Nate, actually, he, he came from uh, Arizona, um, but he actually, he, um, his parents were, uh, were separated when he was younger. And so he actually went to, for high school, he went to Arizona. He initially grew up in, um, in LA in the California area, but then he went to Arizona with his mom for, um, for, um, for high school. Then he ended up coming back 
um, to the area for college and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, so we all kind of met, got into the mix with each other that, that first year. Um, I, 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 it's funny because it's funny where you remembering what you don't, or in my case, remember, because I will, sometimes I'll tell the two of them individually, like, like really distinct details about like our first interactions. Like, how do you remember that? It's mm. crazy. Like I, I remember, um, like the conversations that I would have with like Nate, like when we'd be walking to and from class and stuff like that still. And it's just, it's interesting. Um, I remember seeing Sam for the first time cause I had, um, I'd made other, I'd made other like acquaintances thus far. Um, and it was funny because his, uh, Sam's uncle, I believe, was um, at the time the the president of the university, and I was at a at a school assembly, and um, he was actually name dropped during it. And I remembered, I knew his name, but I hadn't met him yet, so it was like interesting. I wonder who this guy's going to be like. And then you meet him, and he's so he's so um, he's so present and uh, you know vulnerable and uh, and so friendly and and just kind to to so many people. Um, as great, both of these guys. I knew the, the first year they were just like so much, so much humor, you know, just all day, every day. And like they, they both, um, they both initially bonded really strongly over their, their shared love for uh, Bo Burnham. I know they would, uh, <laughs> they would like sing some of his songs like in, in sync. It was, it was amazing. Uh, but yeah, they just, they were just two guys who I met who were really on fire for, you know, performing. Um, they both had their own unique histories with doing it in terms of their like, past experiences and you know dreams they had of doing stuff and it's yeah as I'm as I was kind of saying it's it's so it's so great to have you know great peers who have the who share the same love and the same passion because the thing that's kind of um sneaky difficult about being an acting student especially in a program where you're being like where you're being you know pushed um you know, uh, in a positive way, you know, by your professors to, to get the best out of you. Um, one of the things that you can kind of do to defeat yourself is definitely, you know, say, I have all these, I have all these, you know, high aspirations, but I'm just not meeting them. I'm not, I'm not meeting my own expectations. I don't even care about my teacher's expectations. I'm not meeting my own expectations. And like, how can I get over that? And so, you know, a, a, a professor's reach can only extend so far. So when you're in class, and then you're, spending all that other time with your peers and kind of processing and talking about stuff like the, all that time spent, you know, with each other, helping each other to, um, to kind of find different things to, you know, work on yourself and uh, little bits of perspective here and there. Mm -hmm. uh, that's not coming from you because it's difficult to find perspective within yourself when you're criticizing yourself. That's like really, really hard. So when you have other people who can kind of, come from an objective point of view and, and sort of say like, Hey, I, th I thought, I thought that like, I thought that maybe like this could have been better or like maybe you could approach that from this. Like, what were you thinking in this moment? Like all that dialogue and all that time spent um, with other people who can relate to you in the realest sense, because they're go they're doing the same thing, you know, is, is really, really valuable. Yeah. I, uh, you, you, I crave for friendships like that, man. I gotta say like um, for me, that's, yeah, I think you described art for me. Um, Arpordia is not art, although his name literally translates Arpordia is art for days. <laughs> so <laughs> I mean, you, you can like uh, you can call him that, but um, no, nah, man, I, I, it's so valuable to have other people's perspective and interpretation of like what you're doing, because like 
I feel like oftentimes, especially like uh, in a field like the arts, you know, not just theater, um, it's kind of an isolating experience. And I think like with theater specifically, you have the advantage of like um, talking to other people because it is so collaborative that you can get feedback from other people. You can be like, hey, is this particular thing working? Where as like with painting or something like that, I feel like that's that's really just up to you. <laughs> like there's no right or wrong way to paint. I mean, sure, you can study, you know, composition, contrast, um, color palettes, stuff like that. But at the end of the day, um, you're kind of like with your own art um, in that mm -hmm. sense. And uh, with theater, like it's so important and it's so valuable to have friends that can be like, yeah, um, here's what you did wrong or not, not necessarily wrong. Sorry. Like, here's what you can do to improve or yeah. here's what I'm seeing. Here's how I'm responding. And like we networking is so valuable when it comes to like theater and getting that perspective, especially like uh, when you have a friend, like, art or sam or nate like sam and nate specifically i guess art too for me because art was he was around uh when i was in school but he graduated before me um i'm assuming sam and nate graduated with you right mm -hmm. yeah yeah so yeah you guys uh when you have like that one of the, those best friends that you can like go to and be like um i need help <laughs> can, yeah. I, can i like talk to you can i like vent yeah you. like it, i think it's so important to like have that because like you said like teachers are there and mentors are there for you to like um you know ask questions or you know any concerns that you might have with your career but they're not always there i mean you you won't be like texting uh your mentor at like 5 a.m or like 10 like 10 p.m and be like hey uh mr or so and so um can you can you talk about the assignment <laughs> that like happened like uh yesterday i'm like and they'd just be like, Sid, just go to sleep. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it's really, yeah, it's so, it's so difficult, you know, as, which is the whole reason for collaboration, right? It's so difficult to kind of see the whole picture by yourself. Cause inevitably your, your prism is, is just your, you know, sensibility, your subjective point of view. But when you combine a lot of great subjective point of views together, then you can, have somebody who sees this piece who can contribute that to the whole, you know? And so it's great when you have, you know, for me, like when I'm in a, for me, when I'm with those two guys and we're kind of in a group of, you know, three people who are all have the, have in common that we're all like, we have really kind of, we, we, we think of ourselves as people with really great tastes, you know, artistically um, with really high aspirations um, just for ourselves and for our art as well, in terms of like experiences we want to have, creating a character and executing it. And when we, when we're three people who have have in common like that drive and that struggle of trying to get ourselves artistically, you know, to meet the level of our um, aspiration and our like taste, um, and you're able to have people who can tell you the truth, like that's so so valuable. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Um, you don't want to align yourself with yes men. <laughs> Is uh, exactly, that's like yeah. the other thing. Like, um, yeah, having those friendships are like super important. And it's like, you know, being harsh on your friends, like that doesn't necessarily mean like, oh man, I want to see them fail or something like that. Because like I, I, I get anxious sometimes when I want to give feedback to my friends because, you know, I, I want to see them succeed. But um, 
I'm trying to like uh, get out of that mentality a little bit because I was reading a, a book uh, like a couple months back. Uh, it's the Creativity Inc. or Creative Inc. Are you familiar with that book? I don't think so. It's uh, written by Ed Catmull from Pixar. Um, he talks about it's a really good book, like for, about collaboration. It's very businessy, but like I appreciate it as somebody who's a producer <laughs> and, and like who make my own work and stuff like that. And so um, I was reading it, and they do for every Pixar movie, they like sit down with a, a group, and I can't remember what their meetings are called, but they have like these meetings where you know they pitch ideas or they talk about current stories that they're going through, and they just lay out the truth. Like they lay out what's working for the story, you know, like it's not a personal attack on whoever's making this art, you know, like it's, it's a person, it's an attack on the story. I think that's what they called it. You know, they're attacking the story so they can bring whatever, you know, the director for the day for whatever Pixar movie, like, you know, like whatever their vision is, like they can bring it to the best, make it the best that it can yeah. be. So they can and strengthen it. Hopefully. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think it, like it's important to have that kind of feedback. And yeah, sure. It's great to align yourself with people who always like your stuff. But I always appreciate people who are uh, who are like, hey, Sid, I really like your thing. And here's why, you know, um, I want to know at least like what's working well. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I can I can also say that. Um, well, I also wanted to add too. I I think that also because um, my Sam and Nate, they're, they also, as we were saying earlier, they also want to direct. They also want to write. They also want to be kind of multi-faceted artists. So we kind of all have that in common too, where we we have that eye, you know, for that kind of stuff as well. But um, and it sounds like what you're describing those um those Pixar meetings. It sounds like you might be describing like the the screening meetings or something, or at least something very similar to that. There's this great, fantastic series on um, on Disney Plus, and it's a it's kind of a docu series about the making of uh, Frozen Two. Uh, mm -hmm. and it's amazing. And, uh, what, one of the things that they show is, um, they would do, uh, they have these, um, scheduled screenings and like a bunch of like, you know, Pixar filmmakers will come and watch them. And then they'll have like a, a, a debrief after where they'll, they'll ask pointed questions about the story, about things that don't, that didn't really seem clear, stuff like that. And it's meant, and you know, it's, it is definitely overwhelming because you have all these like, you know, great, sometimes legendary Pixar people that are there, like kind of like tearing your story apart a little bit, but like you were saying, you know, it's, um, these are feedback that are hopefully going to strengthen the story and stuff like that. So, and it was just an amazing education about like the process of, uh, of, um, you know, animated filmmaking as well. Yeah. If anyone wants to read the book, it's called creativity Inc. I think, uh, or yeah, create. Yeah. I think it's, Creative Ink, Creative, oh, come on, baby. Creativity Ink. Yeah, yeah. Creativity Ink, um, overcoming the unseen forces that stay, stand in the way of true inspiration. That's the whole title <laughs> by, yeah. uh, by Amy Wallace and Ed Catmull. Um, read that book. It's a really good book. It's a book that we, uh, that's not Anne Bogart, <laughs> which we talk about often on the show. We talk about Anne. We love Anne. Um, yeah. Let's and I think see. a thing really quick that you bring up as well that's great is that, you know, being able to separate uh, your own personal feelings from like your work, right? Because when someone's giving you feedback, they're giving feedback on the work and it's hard not to internalize that personally. It's even more difficult when you're an actor and like all of your humanness that you're trying to express 
um, you know, as that character is coming from you. So when your work is being criticized, it's hard not to feel like I'm a terrible person and stuff like that. It's really, it's really, really difficult. So yeah, one of those really kind of sneaky, difficult things when you're also training as an actor, whether it's, you know, through just kind of learning on the job or in a, a, a training program is, yeah, trying to kind of compartmentalize the two. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, I want to go to Sam and Nate. Um, since we talk a lot about, you know, honesty and stuff like that, and they've kind of been that way for you, can you name a moment where like their feedback, like maybe changed the course of like what you were initially doing? Like, do you have a story where like their feedback was like very helpful in some ways? Um, well, I think that, uh, I mean, we were definitely, we were friends that, you know, lived together too. So we had a lot of built in time spent to kind of talk to each other and kind of, uh, you know, troubleshoot just kind of personal issues with each other. But when it came to, um, you know, like acting specifically, I, I have a memory the, the, the last show I acted in at this, at, um, my program, it's this great play called Middletown, um, by Will Eno. And it's this beautiful story. Um, if you're familiar with Our Town at all, Thornton Wilder's mm -hmm. play, um, a lot of people will tend to call it uh, Our Town on Crack or whatever. Oh, and okay. uh, it's it's just a it's a really it's a it's actually a really kind of devastating, um, you know, emotionally honest and raw and vulnerable kind of portrait of um, of just kind of people. Um, processing you know there's a there's a character that um in the play who's kind of processing like disappointment and you know um his own sort of not enoughness you know mm -hmm. and uh and things like that and he he's meeting and he's uh, interacting with this woman who's um who's uh who's um pregnant and has just moved to this town and it's kind of like it's it's a the town itself is kind of it's a little bit like the one in our town where it's like it's just a it's just kind of a small town and it seemingly seems, you know, insignificant. Um, but you have all these people who are kind of experiencing different things and talking about them. And I, in the play, I played multiple characters. And I, um, I actually, my, the first character I played starts the show. And mm -hmm. it's this beautiful kind of like, it seems on the page, like this stream of consciousness kind of monologue. Uh, the character has no, doesn't have like a proper um, government name or anything like that. The character in the script is just public speaker. And um, mm -hmm. he comes out and he just, he needs just, and the whole monologue is just like, like, uh, like names, like, um, like the speech kind of starts like, ladies and gentlemen, um, you know, members of the board, uh, distinguished members, um, you know, people, people, people who like sports. And it's just, a, it's just a long, like page and a half list of just names. And it's like, and it was really difficult. It was really fun, but very difficult to kind of navigate. Okay, how do I make this active? How do I give it like a journey, like a beginning, middle and end properly and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, it was a really kind of difficult, but really rewarding thing to work on. Um, and every time I would finish it, um, when I was rehearsing it, I, I, I'd talk to, because Nate was also in the play, um, playing some multiple characters as well. And so we were both in that place where we were trying to kind of figure out, okay, how do I compartmentalize? compartmentalize this character and that one and that one and how do I make them different and stuff like that and so I think he was a great resource for me um someone I could go to in the cast that I had such a great we were both seniors so we both had all this prior relationship and experience where um for me especially I could go up to him and always get honesty and um it was funny because a lot of it was 
a lot of it was like really good. He was always very, cause one thing, especially if you're cast members in a show, you always want to um, motivate people and just kind of get people to just kind of stay in rhythm and keep going. But, um, you know, mm -hmm. I do know that there was another scene um, uh, where it's kind of just my voice and body. I'm playing an astronaut kind of talking about um, what I'm seeing and what it means to me. And, um, and I was so concerned about it because you can't see my face and it's just kind of my voice. And there's a lot of great kind of technical elements. And I was wondering, you know, if I was, you know, giving enough to it. And, and, uh, and I remember he, I was really anxious about it. And he kind of told me like, um, no, like everything that you're doing, everything that we've been trained to do with our bodies and our voices, like you're doing so well right now. And you just need to keep focusing on doing this. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, and, and the stuff that, you know, that we, that we've talked about and stuff like that. And so that was really, really encouraging. Um, it's a funny thing because uh, another example of kind of that relationship flipped was actually a moment with myself and Sam. Um, I was, uh, we, um, our program was lucky enough to be the first, um, you know, theater of any kind to do Aaron Sorkin's adaptation of To Kill a Mockingbird. We just did that this past spring and I was stage managing and, um, and Sam was playing Atticus Finch. And there was a show where he, um, you know, I'm sitting there because I have, you know, work to do, like moving set pieces and stuff. And he comes back to me during a show, like I may have been like a matinee or something. And he comes over to me and he in a little bit of a panic because he's usually really grounded, you know, really kind of just kind of a pro. But then he comes to me one show and he, uh, he, he asks me, like, am I, am I bombing? Am I sucking? <laughs> it's just like he came straight to me too and it was it was crazy and i and i was just like no man you're doing fine like i genuinely didn't see anything that was wrong but it was so interesting kind of to you know have the affirmation of that trust you know uh because yeah. everybody needs that person to if they're not feeling right to be able to say like no man just keep doing what you're doing like you're you're fine just stay stay like you know stay stay centered stay grounded you know yeah exactly I yeah. mean, yeah, that that's how art is for me too, man. I mean, I go to him, I get I get my sage advice from art all the time. I'm like, hey man, do we have a moment to like just talk on the phone? Cause like that's just been uh that's kind of been our mantra with uh the playwright form that we were supposed to do. Uh this summer actually we had meetings where we talked about preparation and oh my god we got we got a grant and stuff like that like how this is all gonna work and how art's gonna be flown over here thanks to the grant but now it's like we every time we talk to each other it's <laughs> it's doom and gloom and we're trying we're trying really hard to like encourage ourselves but um i'm kind of i'm not in like the spirit of doing that playwright form now you know like it's every time we don't do it i'm just like all right I kind of want to do something else now, even though like it's such an important show and I do want to do it eventually. But like right now with this pandemic, it's like, it's been dragging, man. Um, luckily art's there to just kind of be like telling me what I, what I, what I should do and like what the next step is, especially since he's a lot older than me and uh, a little bit more experienced and uh, well, he, a lot more experienced. He has, he's getting his master's <laughs> real soon. So um yeah like having friends that like it's like, like 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 we mentioned at the beginning of the show it's important to have friends that are not just like yes men that are just gonna be like oh yeah everything that you're doing is great um but like you do need those moments where you're like man i'm like freaking out right now i don't know what to do and you need that friend that, that's there's like dude you've been doing fine like just yeah. chill relax center um, or even uh, or even a little bit because 
for me with Sam in that moment, there was a little bit of like a, um, you know, in a positive way, because there was a, it was like a mixture of like, you know, pure empath, like, no man, like you're doing fine. There's a sense of it. Like, dude, what are, what are you talking about? Like, you're fine. Like relax. Like that kind of thing where it's almost like you're just kind of shrugging it off. Like, Oh, please. Like, don't worry. Eh, don't worry about it, man. Like you got this, you know, I got work uh -huh. to do, <laughs> you know? Yeah. There's that. Uh, I think it's also just important to like acknowledge their fears a little bit because like it's mm -hmm. kind of real to them in that moment. And just to be like, hey, dude, you know, like the director picked you. Um, you're doing fine. Sure. Uh, as long as the director's not upset. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're all good in that front. Um, yeah. But no, having I, um, friends like that is good. Yeah. I was also going to say really quickly because I, I, I feel like uh, I feel like it would be a disservice not to not to mention something from this. I am. Um, I, I played Romeo in RNJ my junior year. And I mm -hmm. remember that, and both of those guys were in that show with me. It was the, actually, it was the only play that we were all in together during our time there. Cause otherwise it was just like a, you know, two of us or maybe only yeah. one of us and kind of a thing. Um, but what was so unique about that was like that whole journey for me was weird because like I, um, the, one of my professors I'd had for a class before the audition process was directing it. And, um, and I wasn't really sure if he liked me and stuff. So I was kind of like, I was kind of, I was a little unsure of myself kind of going into it. Cause I'd also, um, you know, I'd had a bit of an up and down process in his class where I wasn't quite reaching where I wanted to, where I wanted to be with the character. And I think where he kind of wanted me to get as well. And so, um, mm -hmm. and also I was a little unsure of myself too. Cause I was like, I kind of like typecast or just kind of, you know, typed myself where I was like, I don't know, like, I feel really comfortable with Shakespeare at this point, but I don't know if like Romeo is the role that I would play because I don't consider myself a romantic lead. And I went through the whole thing and then I got the call back and I was like, okay, that's interesting. I'll give him my best shot, but wasn't expecting that. Um, and then I, you know, did all the, did the rest of it and, you know, just kind of felt like, okay, like this is actually kind of, it could go anyway. Like all of these people I'm watching, you know, do the, do the reads with the other actresses or, doing great um it's really just it's up to you know this this director's preference basically and and um and actually i remember the day that i got the part um i was just finishing i was just finishing uh, my shakespeare class and um i always had my phone turned off um during that and uh and sam was walking out i was in that class with sam and nate but sam was passing me as i was leaving trying to turn my phone back on and he and he said um hey you should read the class list <laughs> I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. And I'm trying to turn on my phone and like, I can't like, I can't read the list because like somebody's like, I'm getting a call like right away. And it's another friend congratulating me and me being like, Oh wow, this is crazy. And then like, being like, okay, I'll talk to you later, man. Cause I really want to read the rest of the list. And, um, and so, yeah. And that whole, but yeah, that whole process of creating that character, there was a lot of doubt and a lot of anxiety for me. It was a really up and down thing where I was trying to figure out like, there were a lot of moments where I kind of went back to that place of thinking like I wasn't right for this guy to begin with. Like, and I'm not sure if I'm getting the way they want me to play this character, like in this vision and stuff. And there was a lot of ups and downs and anxieties about that. But I, what I do remember is, you know, the two of them constantly um, giving me uh, affirmation and um, mm. constructive criticism about stuff like that. So, you know, I, that was all, you know, really, really important because that was a really, uh, formative time for me in my training you know obviously about halfway through beginning of junior years when we did that show and um you know from there I learned a lot there was definitely a, a transition between 
before and after that show where I definitely felt myself, you know, becoming, you know, different in the way I approach certain things and the way that I um, was aware of kind of my own mindset and the way that I needed to, you know, approach things in that way. And they were both very instrumental in just daily giving me great affirmations. And I didn't really share any scenes with them because uh, it was funny. They both were actually playing the warring, um, you know, patriarchs, the Capulet and Montague mm -hmm. fathers of both families, which was, which was ironic, but um, yeah. And they, yeah, they were just, they, they were so great about, um, about, yeah. Giving me that, those, those really vital, uh, you know, droplets of truth here and there. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's really what you need, man. I mean, one thing that uh, Nathan Patrick Nelson and I talked about on the show is that, you know, actors uh, shouldn't be like stressed out about like being cast in certain roles or whether or not like they think that, you know, if they can perform the part well, that's up to the director <laughs> and their vision. You know, yeah. like uh, if a director casts you as Romeo, you are Romeo in this version of this show, whether you like it or not. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, there's no use of like stressing out about it. Um, but you know, like I know I was gonna, I was going to play Ju um, Yusuf uh, Al-Fayumi in uh, Judas Iscariot. Are you, are you familiar with it? The last days of Ju Judas Iscariot? Oh, I love that play. Yeah. I was excited to see you guys do that. Well, um, me too. <laughs> um, I was very excited. <laughs> and then it got canceled. Like literally, um, we were getting messages from the stage manager being like, all right, uh, get ready. We are about to uh, get started. And then shutdown happened. And we were like, okay, um, do you still want us to meet? You know, and she was like initially like, uh, yeah, I still think y'all should meet. Like, it's not anything too crazy right now. And then literally a couple hours later, she was like, yeah, the show's canceled now. <laughs> so it was, it sucks, bro. I had that script in my hand from December because like they cast, it was cast at Eastern uh, EWU. And I had that script in my hand since December, trying to memorize all my lines because Yusuf Fayumi, I was kind of shocked that I got this part. Not because, you know, uh, a little bit not surprised because he's Middle Eastern, <laughs> but uh, but also kind of shocked that he has as many lines as he does in a play called The Last Days of Judas Iscariot. You yeah, know, that, yeah, that character only really has one scene in the whole play. Yeah, well, like two scenes actually. Yeah, because there's that flashback. Um, yeah, there's that, and um, well, his end scene is very powerful. I'm I'm kind of jealous, <laughs> but. Yeah. Um, I got to do that scene for a, a class. I played Judas in that scene with a friend of mine for, um, oh, man. for, uh, for yeah, the, 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 the class that was the same guy who directed me in RJ, that was his class. And we did that for our final scene. And that was really, yeah, really fun. It's very raw, very emotional. Um, and it's, yeah, it's one of those, I love that playwright. Cause I, and I love that play because I think it's one of those plays that, um, you know, even there's this monologue the Satan monologue that I actually have been using a lot recently um, mm -hmm. where he's kind of, it's just it's an interesting vision of like, you know, just uh, offering a perspective, you know, huh. with these like kind of biblical characters that we only really know about in one context, mm -hmm. you know, bringing it into this whole different kind of um, transparent context that we don't usually get to see them in. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, it was. Um, 
it was going to be an important role, but I was like super nervous about it because I was like, I never get parts like these. <laughs> uh, and I don't know when's the next time I'll get a part like this because I mostly focus on directing and producing right now. And so uh, I was like super upset when I couldn't do this play anymore. But like there was a part of me that was like doubtful. But then I remember, you know, Josephine Keefe uh, directed the, is directing the show and i was like i trust just josephine's judgment on everything so i was like you know what she might have she might be onto something here <laughs> like mm -hmm. she might have like she might be right uh in some way of casting me as this character but um yeah at the end of the day like when a director knows the role that you're in like that's your role man like yeah. you can't be you can't be like ah man i don't think i'm good enough and i'm like the director and if you yeah. keep thinking like that um you just yeah, gotta dive like, in. Yeah. yeah, you gotta dive in and go full speed ahead. Because if you don't, because then yeah, once you're cast and then you have all that time to prepare, you just gotta use all of that time just to say it'll, you know, to some extent it'll be what it'll be. But I need to use this time now to craft the things that I want um, to internalize, so that when I get to rehearsal, I can just focus on slowly but surely shaping the final sort of like fluid thing that i want to do yep um yeah i hope we get back to theater man i kind of miss it but like i've been talking to my cousin and i was like i kind of i really miss it a lot but at the same time there's like this uh twisted part of me that doesn't really miss it <laughs> <laughs> like uh, if i were to go back like i don't know how i feel man like i've been kind of out of it for so long it feels like and i'm like man it just i don't know i, I feel yeah. very weird maybe it's because like i don't feel very comfortable in this uh pandemic situation that if theater were to return even if it was like phase four right now where we can have entertainment again um i don't know if i'd be comfortable going back like even for another year unless there's some sort of treatment not necessarily like the vaccine or whatever but like a way to treat this crazy thing yeah yeah for sure. Yeah. I totally, I totally understand. Like I'm in a place similarly where I'm like, I'm trying to figure I'm talking to, you know, friends, seeing what they're doing. Um, and I'm just kind of thinking like, you know, when is a good time to potentially like, you know, move back to the LA area and stuff like that. And it's, it's really, it's, you know, whether it's that area, whether it's any of the other markets, New York, Chicago, like wherever it's like, you know, how do you gauge that timeline? Because, um, if an opportunity were to come up and you felt comfortable enough, you know, maybe you do kind of take that calculated risk and go do that. But, you know, for me, like I'm in a situation where, you know, I have a great, have a great, you know, job, great situation, great living situation. You know, I feel comfortable, which not a lot of other people have the, you know, the, um, the privilege of having. So I definitely, I don't, I try not to take it for granted that I'm in such a good situation to sort of like, you know, kind of buy time for myself until, I really feel comfortable to take that, you know, next step and then go and, you know, make a change and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I, I'll only feel comfortable if I know other people won't get hurt. Cause like, if I knew I was responsible for like somebody getting COVID uh, and it was because I was uh, taking a risk, <laughs> I don't, I don't think I could live with myself, honestly, you yeah. know, especially with how dangerous this thing is. Like I, um, I had to reject a few invitations like earlier in this pandemic, you know, I had a friend, 
whose kid I mentor. And she was like, Hey, we'd really love you to come for like, you know, his birthday and stuff like that. He really likes you. And I, I like him too. And I was like, but he's type one diabetic. And I was like, man, I don't know. I work in a like, I work in a health clinic. I don't know if it's like if anyone I was going to take a risk on to see, I don't think it's the kid who has a, a compromised immune system in yeah. this like day and age. So it's like, ah, oh, man, that sucks. And then, like, I kind of like same deal with a lot of my other friends. That's the one of the big reasons why we are not having this form is because art is asthmatic. You know, like I'm not I am not putting him on an airplane to come over and play pretend with uh, with kids and stuff like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I think that's a great like, attitude to have because, you know, in a time where still a lot of people are sort of more so focused on, man, I can't do anything. It's more like a, yeah, and we all, under, we all understand that sucks because we all are in a position where we can't do the full extent of what we normally can do. But, you know, it's that understanding of, you know, no, like, however, you know, however people process the, um, you know, the, the news and, you know, information and, you know, whether it's true, whether it's, you know, kind of true or really just false, like, that, you know, this, that this virus is serious. You know, we have had more than 180,000 people, unfortunately die in this country. And that's nothing. It may not be, it may not be like an astronomical hit to our total population, but that's nothing Mm -hmm. to sneeze at, you know? And um, like, yeah, like it's just, it's just not, it's something that we all need to, the faster that we all sort of find a way to coexist with each other and like figure out how to live safely you know, the, the, the sooner, hopefully that, that this whole thing will be over. So then like, if you're, if you're someone who's complaining about the circumstances, but you're not also contributing to, you know, getting it resolved quicker, then it's Mm -hmm. kind of, it's a, it's a bit of a contradiction. So, but I think that's an attitude more people should have. I definitely had that attitude as well, where I was like, I'm not leaving the house like at all, you know, unless I absolutely have to, like, it's just not worth it. Like I, I may not be, my health might not be impacted, but I sure, I sure don't want to go and potentially endanger someone else's life, mm-hmm. you know? So, and, and that's totally why, cause I've been, I've been obviously going out more and more for like for work, but also kind of to see friends and stuff like that. But when I do see friends, like I'm, I'm saying like, Hey, let's meet here. Like we'll just, we'll do like a six feet apart, you know, hang out and just catch up a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I try to take all that stuff seriously because, you know, even if I'm not, even if I don't know that I'm going into a situation where I might see somebody who's specifically, you know, immune compromised, like I'm still wanting to just take all the, you know, I'm not wanting to take any chances at all. So I mean, that is, that is a great approach to have. And I, I hope, I wish that more people had that. Exactly. I mean, uh, we're recording this on September 6th. So uh, today I went out to target with a friend, uh, with my cousin uh, my step cousin and, you know, I, it was one of those days where I was like, man, I've been in the house for seven months. Um, I only went to Target one other time, and I want to go again, just check out their fall stuff. And even then, like when I go out to Target, obviously masks are required, so I'm wearing my mask. And the other thing I do is like I put my hands in my pocket, like, and I don't touch things unless I'm going to buy it. You know, unless it's like clothes, I think that's fine. But like I don't want to touch other things. And so I just kind of look at it from far away. Um, but yeah, I, I've been super cautious about it in ways that I've never thought of before. And next week, I believe I'm going out 
with some friends, you know, another uh, family uh, whose uh, kid I mentored, um, like they wanted to go out and have lunch uh, and I'm going to go out and have lunch, but I'll probably be very super mindful about <laughs> the situation around me uh, and like, you know, being very cautious about it in ways that I never thought I would ever. Like, I'm surprised that I was never as cautious as I was like before this pandemic, you know, now I think about things like birthdays and how you're supposed to blow out the candles. And I was like, dude, that's all the COVID germs are on that cake now. Like you can't, you can't, you can't blow on cakes anymore, man. Like don't blow on my cake. I'm not going to blow on my cake anymore <laughs> because of that. But, um, or it's even it's just, just kind of like a, it's a thing of like, yeah, I don't want to like, I, it's the idea of once, you know, hopefully once we've transitioned out of this period of, of COVID-19, um, it's that idea of having people maybe kind of start to get conditioned to like, even just basic things so that they don't get sick. Like, even if you don't want to get COVID, like, I don't want to get a cold or I don't want to get the, the flu either. So it's like kind of that you know, like, yeah, like more hand washing, more, you know, stuff like that, more kind of not touching stuff if you don't have to and stuff like that. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, it's interesting. This will, because I have a big habit of just kind of like leaning on things and like leaning on counters, leaning against walls, stuff like that, and touching a lot of random stuff. So then when I'm in public now, I try to like kind of be very, very conscientious of like what I'm doing and try not to do that because, yeah, it's definitely, it's a, it, it makes you kind of, um, sort of like reevaluate like what your ha little habits and tendencies are like when you're in public. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't want to go too into this, <laughs> but uh, one thing, like whenever I take off my mask, like to drink or anything like that, like sincerely, I feel like I am, you know, whipping out my dick in front of everyone. That's what, it, you know, that feeling of like, this feels like you shouldn't be seeing this. This is like, uh, I was going to say an Arabic word, you know, like that's, you know, wrong. You're not supposed to show that, <laughs> you know, you're supposed to cover, like, you're supposed to cover like your, your bad parts. And I feel like my mouth and my nose now, it's like, if it's not covered, I feel like I'm exposing myself. And I'm just like, like, like it's so, it, it, it's weird, you know, like I, yeah, I don't know. This pandemic has definitely changed whatever normal used to be for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's, it's that feeling too. Cause like I, I've been a, uh doing a lot of kind of outdoor kind of work stuff recently and so when there's like a ton of people around and you see someone without a mask like it sticks out like a sore thumb now you know mm -hmm. just because of the way we've all been conditioned now and there's a sense of kind of a a little bit of a kind of recoil like oh uh, i hope they have a mask somewhere like they need to understand like where they are and stuff like that there's a lot of people around because when you see people that are outside and like kind of isolated doing their own thing and they don't have a mask like on them but you maybe see it like hanging off their ear or like you assume maybe they have it in their pocket then then it's super chill because then you can you can get around that by just staying distant from somebody but um yeah when you see somebody in a especially in a fairly kind of um populous location and you don't see them with a mask and that's a little bit concerning for sure or the people who put it under their nose yeah, yeah. I'm like, I, I've seen a lot of that today at Target, and I was like, man, you kind of look stupid. <laughs> like, it is a weird look, for sure, yeah. Anyway, um, going back to Sam and Nate, um, you guys, I'm, I'm assuming you guys had a final, like a, a thesis, like for your school? Um, not, not really. I mean, 
I guess the version, like the culmination of the training, is, is that kind of what you're getting at? Yeah, I was just mostly wondering if there was something like that you do at school and were Sam and Nate involved with that in any way? Well, you know, I would probably say that um, our kind of, our culminating thing for our training is um, our, our showcase. And the way that that worked was um, we would, uh, under, <laughs> under normal circumstances, because we had been at these events um, for previous classes of seniors, there was um, there's location out in Hollywood, like this uh, this Writers Guild screening room. Mm-hmm. Um, well, basically the process. Sorry, let me back up a little bit. The the process basically starts at the beginning of the school year, where you come back a couple weeks early, um, and then you shoot um, on camera. You shoot uh, a web series um, that's you know that's over the past couple of years has been written by a by a a, um, a professional writer that we had connections with. Um, and, you know, you would go, you'd shoot that. You do kind of like the audition process where you, um, where you do like a, a self-tape submission to audition. And then they, and then they give everybody roles and then they send you the script or they send you your scene. And then you look that over and then you come, then you come to school and then you go shoot that. And it's funny because like you shoot that at like the very beginning of school. Right. And then you kind of wait the whole school year. And then when you get to like, maybe like February or March of your senior year, then you start to maybe see like a trailer. And then um, when we're in that kind of last class, which is um, about kind of the business of like acting and and the Hollywood showcase, then we kind of get into um, our whole program because the whole like showcase is, you know, you're, we're premiering the web series that we shot. And then we're also doing monologues like live and in person. So we're kind of showing the duality of our degree, the acting on screen and on mm-hmm. stage um, kind of within the same event. Um, and so, yeah, it's a really, and it's been a really cool event. And I'd really enjoyed, I'd gone to see all three, my freshman, sophomore and junior year, I'd gone to see all the senior classes do theirs and I was looking forward to doing mine, but yeah, obviously we kind of had to ad- adapt um, ours a little bit and we had to do it all virtually. Um, and so basically what we did was we just, we just shot the, the, the monologues. And, um, that was interesting because we would kind of, we would bring ideas to class like, Hey, I found, I found this, I like this character and I like this monologue and I might kind of tweak some of the writing a little bit so that I can kind of make a kind of clean, like one minute moment. And so we all did that. And it was interesting because we all would come in and kind of experiment with different things and we would all kind of contribute to because our teacher even was like, hey, at this point, like, I've seen you guys, you know, perform and I've been a part of your process, but you guys, you the peers, as mm-hmm. I was saying earlier, having great peers, like, that was a great example of, like, you guys have been together for four years, so you kind of all know each other more than I even know you guys. So we were kind of taking the lead on giving each other feedback when we bring ideas into class about material for ourselves for that, and that was a really fun process, and there was a lot of really great conversations. Um and, you know, Sam and Nate had a, a lot of great um, things that they would bring in and um, that we would all talk through. And um, myself was kind of a, it was a little bit difficult to kind of narrow down like what I wanted to go for in terms of the type of character I wanted to show and like the type of moment I wanted to do. But then once I found it, like it was really, it was great to kind of get all of their feedback. And one of the things I remember was I was a little bit, as we all are, I was a little, when I was watching the, the tape of the monologue back, being a little, I was feeling a little subconscious about it. And one of the great things I kind of just remember, I remember I talked to, I think they were two, there were two of the people I texted first of like, Hey, have you seen the monologues? Like, what'd you think of mine? <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> um, and, uh, 
Yeah, and I, I think I remember distinctly Nate giving a really specific compliment on um, my monologue. I think he said that uh, that he loved the um, like the beat change at the end. That he I think that he said that that was um, his favorite beat change of all the ones that he that he saw, and that was really encouraging because it kind of it gave me a a perspective to then kind of go and process. And then when I would go back after some time removed, I'd go back and watch it again, and I would be like, okay, it's interesting. I'd see this, but now I'm also seeing this and all these other things. Um, and there's still things that I wanted to work on, but it just gave me a, a bit of inspiration to sort of, you know, take a little bit of a step back from criticizing myself and really kind of try to approach it impartially and also just enjoy the things that I did well, you know? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah, man. I mean, that's good on them. They still like helped you out like with your project, like to the very end, like, um, in a way, I guess they 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 were kind of a part of it, <laughs> in I some ways. Mm -hmm. Yeah, when uh, when I was doing my senior project for Doxy's God, um, I mean that one that one ours is a little bit different um, at Gonzaga. Like you can essentially do whatever you want, um, as long as it like fits um, what you want to do. You know what you want to do that kind of encapsulates everything that you were taught at Gonzaga, and so directing was my way of doing that. And, uh, you know, all the people, uh, that were in that show, whether it was crew backstage or, uh, uh, actors on set, like they, I still keep in contact with them and it was a really good experience. I mean, I learned from them. They learned from me. Uh, you actually just remembering that show. I'm looking at my little board here that I have of people that I want on the show. And I forgot to add somebody. So I'm just going to do that real quick. <laughs> um, yeah, I have like 45 people and there's like um, there's like 30 Sundays in a year. So we got a lot of people in mind. <laughs> One of them is uh, Frankie Muniz because I found his publicist and I was like, all right, we're going to get uh, Malcolm from Malcolm in the Middle on, on the show. <laughs> Super cool. Yeah, absolutely. Um but yeah, uh, so 92 minutes in. It's about an hour and a half. We should um, get things wrapped up here real soon. I would love to talk on and on. But like I mentioned, and a lot of people on the show kind of know, Anchor uh, doesn't like us to be here over two hours. <laughs> so uh, let us let me ask you one more question about Sam and Nate, and we'll go into lightning round. Um, pretend yeah. Sam and Nate are here right now. Um, what's one thing that you want to, what's one thing you want to tell them right now? um or pretend like they're listening to the show right now there's that too yeah yeah, yeah. it's fun. i'm probably going to talk to one of them like uh in about an hour actually so it's funny um but yeah i would say that um what i would say to them if they were listening right now is uh i would i would like to say thank you for um you know being yourselves because you know by being you know with all the given, ironically, with all the given circumstances of, you know, your lives and, you know, the way that you, you know, the way that you showed up to, you know, that program at that time that you did, you know, with all of your prior history, with all of your dreams and all of your, um, with, with all of your uh, aspirations of um, being the best artist you can be, you know, thank you for um, choosing to invest in me, you know, someone you had just met and, you know, we're willing to um, maybe humor at some times, you know, with, uh, with my anxieties and my, my tendency to be a little bit, uh, 
um, in my head a lot. Thank you for being patient with me. And thank you for truly, you know, having the desire to, you know, check in on my, on me in terms of my well-being and, um, you know, my, you know, asking me, asking me really great questions and spent and spending time with me and, um, and uh, laughing with me, um, you know, being vulnerable with me. That, that's what I'd especially say, you know, thank you for sharing yourself and for being vulnerable with me um, because that really as artistically and just as a friend, like that has really gone a long way um, for me in uh, me feeling like that I'm in a place where I feel for the first time, really for, for the, the most I've ever felt in my life that I'm really becoming and being the person that I really want to be that the person I am today has really been inspired by, by you two. So I really appreciate you guys, man. Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> Travel down the road and back again. Uh -huh. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. Yeah, that's every time you said thank you for being, I was just like waiting for you to uh, like, you know, drop into some golden girl shit right there. <laughs> for sure, man. Yeah. Yeah. But nah, um, friends are great, man. I mean, especially like the good ones. I mean, like, you know, you have all these friends on Facebook and uh, like Instagram and all that. And I would say you're a good friend of mine too, Elon. Uh, Elon. But um, like, you yeah. you really you really like you you really have just those kinds of friends that like that are there for you. You know what I mean? And it's not to say like I wouldn't be there for you in case you need anything or like need any criticism. But like, um you're you'll never be like art <laughs> like if i had this like no offense but like if i had to choose between you and art to save it's like you know i have to i have to save the homie you know and i'm sure you'd feel the same way about uh sam and nate yeah it's all about experience yeah because and you can't it's nobody's fault it's just the way things have, like i happened to be at that school at that time mm -hmm. and met those guys and spent had the opportunity to spend as much time as i did with them that's just a whole different situation you know yeah, it, it's it's no no shade to the people that, you know, whether it's geographically, like, I can't see you. So I kind of have to talk to you like over text occasionally here and there and stuff like that, you know? Yeah, it's, it's just different, different situation, different, different uh, experience, for sure. Yeah. Um, let's see. Um, then um, the other question, since I brought up, like, if I had to choose between somebody to save, um, and again, you don't have to answer this. This is mostly a joke. Um, if Sam or Nate are drowning in a pool right now, um, which one are you going for? You don't have to answer it. It's, I, I just want to see like, if you would or if you're going to tell me to shut up. <laughs> well, honestly, my honest answer is like, I would, I mean, I don't know what the situation is. My, I feel like my default answer, if it's, if it's kind of two people of sort of equal weight to me, then I would want to save both of them and potentially have me be the one on the chopping block, to be honest with you. Cause that I, wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to choose. I, I would have to take the route where I would be taking the place of one of them basically. Exactly. I feel like uh, I, this isn't the first time I asked people that question and that their answer was that. So kudos to you yeah. for playing, playing along, <laughs> playing along. So that's the other thing. Like I can't pronounce words. <laughs> we're getting it. We're, it's, we're at the end of the show here, guys. <laughs> um, yep. Guys, gals, and non-binary pals, this has been Wayward Artists in a Wayward World. We are in the lightning round questions. Uh, if you didn't know, lightning round questions are a series of five questions. Uh, they, uh, 
they are questions that I ask each and every guest each and every week. They're fun. They're not so fast because we'll probably get really into them. What I wanted so, to actually, what the, the blessing in disguise of that actually was it gave me a, a moment to remember something else I wanted to say on the tail end of that uh, personal statement uh, to my friends. Yeah. Um, yeah, go ahead. I also just wanted to say too that, um, and they know this, but for the people at home, um, that college for me in my life was a time where I was really trying to figure out, as many people do, um, like who I am as a person and, you know, what I want to do. And, but mostly that, that vital piece of learning more about myself um, and kind of working through my own issues and my own kind of, you know, uh, prior history with certain things with myself, you know, it was a great time to kind of unpack all that stuff and be able to work through it. And I will say to them that I was very grateful to them for being vulnerable with me and being supportive so that they could be a really instrumental piece in me um, becoming the person that I am today. So I really appreciate yeah. them for that. There we go. Um, first of all, how dare you put a <laughs> sentimental statement right before, right after I announced the lightning round questions. <laughs> You're not allowed to do that structure. I mean, I'm no, I'm just kidding. But um, yeah, that's, you know, college is about finding yourself and you need to have those friends that um, yeah. are able to push you in that direction. Yeah. It's going to be rough. And you just got to have people like we were saying that are, that are honest and at the same time relate and are just able to, you know, cut through all that and just be able to tell you the truth and also be able to empathize and sympathize as well. Exactly. And yeah, it looks like you're, you have no sh shortage of that, you know? <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah. Um, let's go back into the lightning round questions. Right. Um, we don't need it. We don't need to introduce them again. Uh, we already said the spiel. Um, Ilan, did you hear what the first one was about or did it like just cut out? Uh, no, you can. Yeah, you can start with the first one. Okay. Um, what would be your perfect day? My perfect day. My perfect day would be, um, well, it would start with uh, some great breakfast, probably including waffles. Um, and it would probably include um, some kind of athletic activity, probably some pickup basketball. And then at some point, it doesn't have to, uh, it doesn't have to happen at any specific point, maybe the evening, but at some point, being able to see like a play or a film that moves me. Um, nice. And it could be by myself with somebody. Maybe, maybe like, cause if I'm going to a theater actually uh, by myself would actually be great. Cause it's, I, I love, I love, I love seeing things with people, but also I, I also relish the chances to see things by myself. Cause I'm able to kind of be a little bit meditative and then really kind of think about it more after the fact. So. Yeah. Um, I'm excited for the day that we can see plays again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, like hard to imagine, but I hope, I hope we were able to get to that point one day. That day will come. Uh, yep. Yes. That day will come. Let's, let's try to have a hopeful mindset there. <laughs> <laughs> um, question number two, uh, what's your third favorite movie? Third favorite movie. Um, I remember at one point in college, I made like a list of my top 10 at that point. Uh, but I would say probably my third favorite movie right now is probably this great movie called Sicario. Um, it's directed by this great filmmaker called Denis Villeneuve. And it's just, if you haven't seen it, it's this really wonderful movie, um, with Emily Blunt, Benicio oh. del Toro and, uh, and Josh Brolin. It's this great movie about, um, these, uh, 
these um, these federal agents who are kind of who are working against who are basically working against like the um, the uh, the the drug the the drug trade um, gangs that are kind of you know working at like the border um, in Mexico, and it's a really interesting look at uh, violence and you know humanity and corruption and stuff like that. And it's it's really really interesting. I love that movie. Yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about Sicario, so I, I gotta like uh, yeah. get into it. Like I you know uh, Benicio del Toro, of course, yeah. uh, the man. I love yeah. him so much. It fits my sensibilities. Like it's it's very and a lot of Denis Villeneuve's films do because they're um, it's very dark. It's very it's not like it's not like needlessly brooding. It's just that the the subject matter, the situation, kind of calls for that sort of tone. Um, and yeah, everybody. Everybody is so kind of internal and stuff like that. It's really, it's a great watch. Um, and yeah, it's very, very dark. I, I like things with kind of a, a dark, transparent side to it, especially if it's kind of a um, a kind of, tra- if there's kind of some tragedy to it, um, I tend to kind of appreciate that kind of transparency in a story. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'll have to check it out as well as like everyone else's like third favorite movie. I got to post like a list. <laughs> um, question number four. Oh, sorry. Question number three. Sorry about that. Um, no how problem. how would I describe you? How would you describe me? Yeah. Well, um, I feel like you would describe me as like a very kind of chatty, like friendly, uh, kind of like laid back, casual person, mm-hmm. generally speaking. Yeah. There we go. Um, you're also a really good listener, dude. I mean, like, you kind of, like, take in things. I mean, like, that that's probably a testament to you as an actor, too. Like, you take in things, and you uh, always, like, put your own perspective to it, which is, like, that's a real gift, like, for actors to do instead of being, like, oh, no, my character would never do it that way, you know? Yeah. Like, But it's, like, but, man, like, you're kind of limiting yourself if you don't, like, li- take a second to listen and, yeah. like, consider other people's, like, thoughts and opinions mm-hmm. you know um but like no i that's something i appreciate about you too you're also super like easy to talk to because of that you know because you do listen i feel like i can feel like i can talk to you for a long time about stuff yeah thank you i appreciate that yeah absolutely bro uh it's all about positivity on this show um <laughs> yep question number four what's your favorite ice cream topping my favorite ice cream topping um i mean Oh, that's tough because like, I mean, if I go to like an ice cream place, mm-hmm. like my usual one is like, if I can only have one, my usual one is M&M's. But like, if I'm doing like just kind of ice cream at home, I tend to just kind of drown that thing in uh, in um, chocolate syrup. There we go. Uh, yeah, that's what I like to do too. Chocolate on everything. Yeah. Everyone you on just, the show knows it. <laughs> you can never have enough of it. Even yeah. if the ice cream flavor is chocolate, like you can never have enough like extra chocolate on top, you know? Dude, I'm glad you're speaking my language right now because that's what I tell people on the show as well. Like, I don't give a shit. Like, if it doesn't change the texture or anything, or if you don't <laughs> notice it, like, just drown it in chocolate. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, question number five. Speaking of chocolate, and the last and most important question of the show: um, Left Twix or right Twix? Okay, I'm so confused about this. Are they yeah, actually yeah. different? Uh. No, <laughs> I'm a big twist. I'm well, a... actually like you know, depending on who you talk to on this show, uh, 
depends. Because, <laughs> yeah, if, if, if they've just been, I mean, I'm familiar with the ad campaign about there being kind of this little rivalry between left and right Twix. And if they've somehow like subtly made them different, then that's brilliant. <laughs> the thing is, I, um, and it's funny because I'm probably going to end up stealing um, Annalisa's answer, who I, whose episode I listened to when I say that, because um, I, I love Twix. I used to, I buy Twix all the time at our um, a student snack shop for my little like dessert with a meal or something. And uh, and I guess I would probably just by default semantics have to say the right because I'm right-handed. So that might be the first one that I happen to grab. Yeah. But I really, I don't know if there is a difference between the two. They're, they're as equally as delicious to me. Um, yeah. But yeah, I guess I'd have to go with the right Twix. There you go. Um, there's been a lot of interesting answers, you know, like um, I don't like getting too into it, but like, People like make a whole full. Some people made a whole philosophical choice too, and you know I love I love this question so much. I, I it's kind of like the hallmark of the show. Um, but no, that's a very uh, that's a very valid answer for sure. I think I picked right as well for the same reason. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think honestly they're different. Like I don't think they are. Like I think they're the same. I, I personally don't like Twix. Like they're not the candy I'm I'm actively going out to get. You know, yeah. I just thought it would be funny <laughs> to ask yeah. people what they think. Pretty good, um, pretty good chocolate. Yeah. And then the, yeah, the caramel and the texture is, it's, it works for me. It's, it's a, it's a good one. I love like that. And like, obviously any kind of M&Ms and like Kit Kat, stuff like that. As far as I know or recall, you're the only one so far that has been like, yeah, I actually really like Twix. <laughs> I think yeah. everyone's just been like, yeah, Twix is whatever. I mean, if it's there, I'll eat it. But like, I'm not not going out there out of my way to pick it out yeah i mean i i'm not sure i don't think i've ever had twix on a, as an ice cream topping actually i should try that but um yeah it's a, it's a good candy bar i like it <clears throat> yeah well guys gals and non-binary non-binary pals this has been wayward artists in a wayward world uh elon do you have anything you'd like to say final words Whew, um, thanks for listening. Uh, this is a really, I love this podcast. I think this is a, I can't wait to listen to more of, um, the great conversations and I'd love to be back sometime maybe for another. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, keep, uh, Hey, keeps, keep, keep washing those hands, keep wearing those masks, you know, physical distancing, stay safe, stay healthy. Um, uh, keep supporting local businesses. Also keep supporting, um, as many, you know, if it, if it keep donating to great causes, um, however you feel about, you know, Black Lives Matter or any other um, of those like movements right now and any other international, I, I donated recently to, um, to the, uh, um, I forget the name of uh, Beirut, the, um, the city where that tragic explosion mm-hmm. happened. Beirut, um, you know, if you're, if you're able to, within your means, definitely donate to, you know, local businesses, you know, um, organizations that are, are promoting uh, meaningful change um, in our society right now, you know, communities that are experiencing tragedy, um, you know, uh, right now. And also definitely like donate to artistic, um, you know, businesses as well. They're, they're having a tough time, spe- uh, specifically theaters. Um, a lot of them have had to close down permanently, which is a tragedy. Um, we, we need to, you know, we got to donate to, I donated recently to the Actors Fund. That's a great place to donate to. They're doing really great work with um, supporting uh, artists right now that are having a tough time. Um, we just, we gotta, we gotta buy time for some of these businesses so that when we, you know, come back fully healthy and fully able to do everything we, we could do, you know, that they'll be able to just be able to get back on their feet. So, Mm -hmm. you know, help them out, donate, buy them some more time. And let's hope that we don't 
have to have too many uh, more theaters or other artistic businesses have to close permanently. So that's what I'd say. Yeah, that's a good thing to end on too, especially when you brought up Beirut. Um, you know, I love the Beirut people. Um, Beirut's one of the most beautiful Middle Eastern countries and the food is delicious there, man. Ah, shawarma, you know, like you haven't had real shawarma if it's not from, uh, I was going to say Lebanon, which is the Arabic way of saying Lebanon. Um, but like, man, food's great. The people have always been so lovely. The people I met from Beirut, um, you know, uh, God, uh, you know, um, that means like God heal them and stuff like that in Arabic. Um, and then supporting, yeah, supporting small oh, businesses cool. too. Like, especially this one, uh, I'm actually, uh, mm-hmm. testing out something new here. Um, this is coming out a little bit later, guys, gals, and non-binary pals. So hopefully by the time this comes out, if not, um, support us uh, in any way you can uh, through Spotify. Follow us on Spotify um, or our Apple Podcasts. This show's uh, streaming each across each and every, uh, wherever you get your podcasts from. And uh, support us on Patreon. Um, we have a Patreon uh, to support us at, at the very least, the dollar level or above. You'll get to get some exclusive stuff like uh, email emails from me directly or if you support at the five dollar level you'll get uh episodes out early if i have that up and running by now um if not still support me on patreon because that stuff's coming up (laughs) so guys gals and non-binary pals without further ado it's been real